Welcome back to Milk and Cookies, Cookies and Milk, whatever. (laughs) Bedtime Stories with Monica. Hope you guys are doing well. I've missed you. Uh, Yeah, so I want to, I I was inspired, you know, listening to a little Ed Sheeran this afternoon, uh, working from home and um, put up a tweet last night from a, a, I guess a, Follower, listener, I'm not sure. Uh, someone who addresses uh, recovering ground for ladies who are bored in their bedrooms. I'm going to tell you now, this bedtime story is not going to be for the prudish. So if that's you, you should probably tune out now. This would be a good time for you to just hit pause or stop. Come back tomorrow when you're not going to be offended and we talk about something else. Okay. For those of you who are still with me, (laughs) welcome. (laughs) This person was simply wanting to come on my show and talk about, um, you know, women spicing up their bedroom lives. And so I put it out on Twitter to ask what my followers thought about having this person on my show. Okay. I, I've never heard of this person. Um, I, I don't know if this person is a sex therapist or, you know, whatever. But what was really telling, this is really telling, were the prudish responses. And I thought, oh, there it is. I've been waiting for this to emerge. Some of the responses were really interesting because I know some of the people who responded uh, personally. And I've had private conversations with a few of these folks, and and I know that they are otherwise, you know, normally functioning sexual beings who, you know, sure, maybe they're trying to keep sex within the bounds of what most Christians would consider order, Okay. Uh, and believe it or not, there are still, you know, single people out here who are Christian who are actually trying to live according to God's principles in terms of not having, you know, this illicit sex life, if you will, and waiting for marriage. Believe it or not, there are people who are, um, who are, who are abiding by that. And that, that is their heart's desire. Now, whether it's their heart's desire because they feel like they're going to go to hell otherwise, or they really do want to honor God with their bodies uh, because they see their bodies as temples of living sacrifice to God because of what God did for them through his son, Jesus. For some people, it really is that pure and simple and, you know, not saying it's easy, <laughs> but, but that is the motive. Okay. For others, my aha moment was, oop, there it is. Remember that song? Okay. So, but for some, it's because when lawlessness abounds, our human fallen nature is not to apply more grace, right? The scripture says that when as sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. 
And then Paul goes on to say, so what should we do? Continue to sin more because God's grace is there? You know, God forbid. No, that's not what we do. It's like taking someone's mercy for granted or someone's forgiveness or, you know, you just keep doing the same crap over and over again because you just have no regard for their extension of grace or mercy, right? Because maybe you're just in a selfish season. I don't know. Not every selfish season has to end in an eternal damnation. I just believe that and or eternal separation or what, whatever it is that people preach these days. That's like, you know, get right or get left. And, and I, and I understand, do you know where you're going tonight? You know, and I'm like, I don't know. Do you? So, you know, that whole thing where it's like, it's not relational with God as a father and Jesus as a savior and a Lord. It's not relational for some people. It's extraordinarily dogmatic and the letter of the law is that by which they live, and they die. And they want to kill you with it too. So so you have to be able to discern people's motivations when they're talking at you about faith things. And, And that takes knowing what's in the word, right? That takes you having a relationship with your father, with your creator, with your savior, with your Lord, because it's kind of like someone trying to tell you something about your father who's who has never even been a part of your relationship. You know, I have siblings who I no longer communicate with for one reason or another, but they're step-siblings, and they've always kind of used that term. I, I'm not really that person. I don't buy into the whole, that's my stepsister. Like, no, dude, we've been siblings since I was three, so you're my sister. Get over it, like it or not. And uh, some people never get over that stuff, right? But that's like, I had a very special relationship with my father that they did not understand because that wasn't their relationship with our father. I'm full disclosure here. I'm just being really transparent at bedtime here. It's kind of like I'm, you know, laying in your bed next to you with my arm up on my hand and, you know, on my side, just kind of talking to, you you know, like we're having a summer party. And, and this is exactly what I would share with you because I think it'll help bring healing for some of you and some of your own relationships, you know, where you're just estranged from people who should otherwise be family to you and for you. But in, in mainly, you know, our estrangement usually comes from our estrangement with our, from ourselves and our creator. And so when I talk about God and and intimacy and knowing him as, as father and going to his word to know him and not allowing other people to try to tell you stuff about God that maybe they've gotten a revelation for, but you just take it hook, line and sinker. Like it actually is the gospel. And some of that stuff people want to feed you is based on their own relationship and some of their own tragic, you know, lives and their life experiences that they kind of roll up into this big meatloaf called their relationship with God. And that can really muck you up. It just can. And so for me, it's like I had my own relationship with my father that no one else understood because it was my relationship. It was our way of understanding each other, communicating, fellowship, you know, all of that fighting, (laughs) you know, rebellion, you know, just, God. Man, we went through it. My dad was Greek. Are you kidding me? We knew how to fight. And so if you weren't fighting, you weren't loving, right? So I had to grow out of that as I got older for sure. But um, but so I'm not afraid of confrontation because I was raised in it. It doesn't mean you have to create space for everything to be a confrontation, but it also means I'm not a peacekeeper. 
I'm a peacemaker. And so when, when people are trying to talk at you about God, I'm always going to encourage you to seek God through his word for yourself. That way you know. That way you can discern when someone is like way off base. And I'm telling you guys, that's going to become increasingly more important as the days get darker. I'm going to tell you why. Because here was my gotcha moment with this whole post, this tweet last night. If you're not following me, you should. It's Monica on Air Talk on Twitter, and we have <laughs> a lively time. And I'm one of the few who are actually not being uh, throttled to the point where I'm losing thousands of followers. If anything, I'm gaining uh, followers daily, which is cool. So um, now, all that to say, for some people, as the days grow darker and lawlessness abounds, and the, and the word says this, men's uh, man's heart will wax cold, okay, and, and will harden, basically, as lawlessness abounds. Okay, well, clearly, we live in a lawless society, particularly in the United States. So with that, it is your responsibility to make sure that your heart stays unfettered. It stays soft. It stays pliable. Um, it stays open. And, and what do I mean by that? To, to the softness of life, to your sexuality, to, um, you know, to intimacy, to closeness, and uh, to communication. First, starting with God. It doesn't mean that you dig your heels in and you become this dogmatic jackleg who's, you know, everybody's going to hell because the world looks like it's going to hell. Well, we know the world is going to hell because the world system was birthed in hell. It was birthed from the mindset of hell which is always going to be death, hell, and destruction, and oppression. It's never going to be liberating, ever. That is not the paradigm of, of hell. It seems like it is because, you you know, it's my body, my choice, right? That seems very liberating. And I'm not referring to vaccinations because in that case, it really is your body, your choice. Uh, but when another human is involved, that's a whole other conversation. So with regard to sexuality, I was like, oh, this is good. So... Some people were like, their inner prude came out. You know, I'm thinking, okay, well, I don't want to talk about that. No, I would not be interested in that show because I don't want to talk about, you know, anything that would be ungodly or uh, that would not glorify God in, you know, in the bedroom. And I'm like, okay, ladies, let me ask you something for real. When you're on your back or your knees or whatever your preferred position is, are you really thinking about what's bringing glory to God in that moment? I mean, can we just have a real conversation? Can we just drop the sanctimony? The sanctimony is like a big baggy pair of old lady bloomers. When you're actually wearing a lacy thong under it, and you know it, right? Or you, at least you want to be wearing one or nothing, right? But, but when there's lawlessness, people run to the letter of the law to say, oh, well, I would never do that. I'm too holy for that. And I'm thinking, hmm, that's interesting. Well, and, and somehow, somehow just a simple, and listen, I, you can go to my Twitter account and see the, the, the website form that this person submitted. Um, and it went on, but I just, you know, a little uh, abridged version of it is on my Twitter feed. 
a little screenshot and there was nothing BDSM. There was nothing S&M. There was nothing, you know, defecation. I mean, people get into all kinds of stuff. I'm just telling you as a minister, I've heard it all from bestiality to people who defecate on each other. I mean, there, there's some really, you know, speaking of unholy things that, that go on. My pastor raised me to believe whenever I was going through ministry training that when it comes to two people in a bed who are married in covenant with one another, it's basically whatever is good with those two people. If the other person's not devouring the other, like in taking in, in lust. And, and what I mean by that is sure. So of course I want, if I'm not lusting after my husband, I don't need one. If you're not lusting after your wife, you don't need one. I'm just telling you, I mean, and for, and for anyone who would tell you otherwise, they are lying. <laughs> if you're not in hot pursuit of your person or you don't want them in hot pursuit of you, you, something's wrong with you. I'm just telling you, you need, there, there, it's time for a heart check. Like you've got some kind of stagnant water up under that bridge that you guys just need to flush. You need to forgive and forget and move on. Seriously, the gospel really is that simple. You need to have a conversation, you need to put it out there, and you need to allow space for that person to take responsibility and then communicate, forgive, and attempt to forget. That's part of what being in a committed relationship is about. And y'all need to get back to business. And the Bible actually talks about that. Paul writes about it, actually. When you're married, this is going to trip some of y'all out, but here's a holy prescription for sex. You ready? When you're in covenant with someone and in your body actually no longer belongs to you. It belongs to the person you're in covenant with. When you're in covenant with someone, we are we are ad, we are encouraged, edified, admonished, whatever to come together often actually, right? Because, and why? Why? Why are we encouraged to do that? The Paul, Paul, Paul says the one reason you do that is to keep the enemy out of your bed. Now, how, there are some people who are just never going to be satisfied with one person, and maybe they just have a cheating spirit. You know, they lo- they love being uh, frisky, risque, lying, cheats, whatever. That that's their thing. That's their sin. That's just that's it's generational, or maybe they've just learned it. You know, they love being naughty. And they love being rebellious and mischievous, and and that's just part of their sin nature. That's part of their spiritual genetics, if you will. And that's something that needs to be contended with. And if you're in that type of relationship, good luck. Some people are just habitual cheaters and liars. There's Clearly, there's a root problem there, okay? I'm not talking about you being together or in covenant or hooked up with someone like that. I'm I'm talking about you being in covenant in a in a in a mutually um, exclusive and honoring and respectful, uh, not perfect, loving relationship in covenant. That basically whatever you guys agree to in your bedroom is your business. I know women who are so ashamed of their private parts that they think they're dirty. 
I don't know who taught them that. I don't know who told them that. It is a travesty. It is sad. It is ungodly. It is unholy to think of any part of your body. When I hear men talk about their junk, and I'm surrounded by dudes. I have a lot of guy friends that are just like, they're nearly barbaric, and I love them because they're ass kickers. They're warriors. They're out there right now protecting our country so that you can, you know, actually have sex with your spouse uh, safely, right? Uh, so we're not a war zone, if you will, kinetically here in this country because of these dudes. And they're dudes. I mean, they're dudes. Like, they're all men. They're all boy and all men wrapped into one. And uh, it's awesome. I love it because it's like the testosterone you know, pool. It's great. It's how men were created to be protectors and butt kickers and, you know, go hunt and gather and kill and feed us and, you know, grab us by the hair and drag us into the yurt. And, and don't tell me that women don't like that because I have listened to Countless women talk about how boring and flaccid their men are, and not just physically, but in every sense of the word, because they won't take control. They won't take control. And when that gets wrapped up in Christianity, ha, boy, you have yourself a real recipe for all kinds of perversions that appear to be holy. But when I hear my dude friends talk about their junk, I'm like, really, guys? I, Bob, I just don't, I don't like it because I don't think that God makes junk. And I know there are some people, and I know why they say it, and I know there are some people who, um, who believe that the male body is just not very attractive. I 150% disagree. I mean, I know I have guy friends who are like, I would much rather, you know, the female figure is just much more beautiful. And I'm like, well, so is the males. We were created perfectly, wonderfully, fearfully by God is what the Bible says. There's nothing junk about it. There's nothing nasty about it. There's nothing dirty about it or perverted or nefarious or sinister or sinful about how he knitted our bodies together in his own womb is what the Psalms tell us before he planted us in our mother's wombs. That's awesome. That is awesome. I mean, I, and listen, if anyone should have a hang up about their sexuality or body parts, you know, you would think it's someone who had been defrauded from a very young age. And I don't view it that way. And there's some women out there who have had nothing done to them to pervert their sexuality, but they still have this self-loathing, this thing, you know, where they just believe that they're dirty. That is a real problem. So I uh, was kind of surprised by some of the answers, and, and some of my friends who are followers as well have private messaged me to say, man, I was kind of surprised. And I, honestly, I didn't get the engagement I thought I would. Normally with sex stuff like that, people are off the charts. What does that tell you? I have about 66,000 followers who are regularly engaged. 
not just, oh, I just have a bunch of followers and, you know, every now and then I get 10 likes on something. No, I, I put stuff out there and people literally engage and respond. And the engagement on that tweet was abysmal at best. And then a lot of the comments were, were disconcerting. And, and honestly, this will not surprise you, uh, but from women. And I realize how easy it is to kind of deny your sexuality when you're single and you're a Christian and you're, you know, trying to maintain that, that walk, but it's a really ugly look and it's so sanctimonious and disingenuous when, when someone attempting to walk out their walk in holiness, according to how, how they see that prescribed in the word as a single woman, uh, maintaining, uh, you know, what's the word? I almost said sobriety. Um, but your uh, celibacy. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're, yep. Uh, yeah. So a woman maintaining her celibacy, um, you know, to the Lord, right? I, I get that. But there's a difference between someone who is completely comfortable maintaining that celibacy and and a and a uh, a right standing if you will with regard to her sexuality and her relationship to the lord until she is in covenant with a man and in the spirit that comes out of someone's face when they go to shame other people about things that they're into sexually this is what i'm talking about with regard to discernment because you guys are on twitter you're on social media you're on facebook you pay attention to people like this you pay attention to what people say it's very easy to drop seeds in fertile ground and some of these seeds you just don't need to give any space to take root and when anyone in a christian space is shaming you about your sexuality and and i'm not speaking to homosexuality that that's I'm a heterosexual so that's what this conversation is about I'm not going to get into all the binary non-binary the the, you know the alphabet soups I'm just not going to do that it bothers me because I see people past a letter of the alphabet because there are some real grievances and wounds that come along with people who are consistently rejected by society for a number of reasons not the least of which is their sexuality it bothers me because I've wiped the tears I've seen the anguish and the confusion and the rejection and abandonment and it's painful and it's costly. And you don't believe me? Look at what's happening right now with shoveling every form of sexuality down your own kids' throats. And it's because people won't have just a regular conversation around these things. And people who have been charged to set the captives free to continue to set the captives free, which is, you know, Jesus's work was finished for sure on the cross. We were instructed to go and liberate. What do you think our special forces guys do? What do you think our military does? What do you think they do? Well, when we're not fighting, you know, a greedy politicians war, but even in that, you know, you think these guys would sign up for this stuff if they didn't think they were in the liberation business whether maintaining or curating or, you know, or, or actually setting captives free. And so that's what we're called to do. And we can't even have a conversation about something as simple as spicing up your bedroom life as a woman. 
And then we love to hound and victimize men we, or, or um, not victimize. We become the victims, but we really bastardize men whenever. And when we're in this sphere of, you know, it's always the man who cheats, which is a complete and total lie, by the way. That is not true at all. All of us, all of us, even those of you who are like, I would never do that. Okay, well, you go ahead and go with that. And maybe you won't. And I I hope you don't ever cheat. But for any of us to set ourselves up on some sexual sanctimonious cloud is extremely unnecessary and destructive, especially in today's culture. Now, how does that bleed out into other veins of society and what we see happening in the collapse of the American culture in any form of decency or order? Well, where lawlessness abounds, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more, well, that's with God, okay? With us, we turn to the letter of the law whenever things get scary, when things are out of control, when things are chaotic and lawless. The human fallen nature is to turn to the letter of the law, which is exactly how things like Sharia and and Orthodox uh, Islam, if you will, are ushered in into otherwise liberated societies. Because part of the human paradigm in need is safety. And so when, when you look around and you see that politically, socially, geopolitically, all of that, the world really is on fire. And, and our country is at war with each other and our government. And we can't even have a conversation about something as pleasurable and godly and completely rooted in intimacy and perfect union and fellowship we can't have a conversation around that because we're so saddled with fear and chaos and seriousness and sanctimony and false piety. That's what that tweet told me. I love some, I love, I love some of you guys so much. You know, especially men will, will, and when I put stuff out there like this, they're like, nope, nope, not going to fool me with that. Or like anytime I ask personal questions, most of you know me well enough by now to know I'm asking because it's a, it's a barometer of sorts for me. I'm, I'm, I am licking my finger and sticking it out into the wind whenever I ask you questions. And this is why, because you're all very honest with me and I, and I want to believe it's because you trust me and I appreciate that. You have no idea. You have no idea how much your trust means to me. Because it's your heart. It's your mind. It's you trusting me not to be perfect, not to be the sharpest tool in the shed or the smartest one on campus, but you trust me because I'm just myself and I love you exactly as you are, but I love you enough to speak honestly with you about things that other people just won't touch. And I only do that because there are things that I've been wired to do by God for such a time as this. And your liberation means as much to me as mine. So what I don't want to see 
is this continued, you know, jog, this drip of, of just, it's not, it's not godly. It sounds godly. And, and we want to be godly because we see so much ungodliness around us. But when we become afraid of having conversations or, or we just like, oh, I'm not talking about that. I'm like, wow, how did you even get S&M out of everything this person just said? How in the world did you extrapolate that? Is that what you think livening up your bedroom means? And maybe you're actually interested in that, but you feel a little kinky and naughty and you feel like God wouldn't approve I don't know. I mean, if people understood the psychology behind uh, domination and submission, you would understand that it really, and and let me tell you, some of that stuff gets off into like weirdville. Um, And I'm not ashamed to say that. Of course, that's my perception. Some of it really is very satanic in the way of, you know, devaluing, um, uh, deprecation, you know, uh, things that God would never assign to us ever, much less in the sense of when someone's naked, you know, you're going to shame someone or, or you're into humiliation of someone. That is, that is, I'm sorry if you guys are into that. I don't mean to shame you in this conversation. I'm just telling you that is absolutely not of God. So if you're remotely concerned about ushering in holiness into your bedroom, that is not it. (laughs) That is not it because God is not into humiliating his creation um, in order for them to feel loved. Jesus despised the shame on the cross. And some of you are mortified that I'm even having a sex conversation and uh, and uttering the name Jesus in the same conversation. But where else, I mean, I'm sorry, where else should we be having this conversation? Who better to bring into a conversation of having complete and liberated fellowship than the author of liberation? I mean, maybe it's just me. I don't know, but I can tell you this. Our marriage rate in the church is sickening. Our divorce rate is sickening. Um, And I mean like sickening. Like we have generations of children who will just never know what it's like to have two parents who actually live according to the prescription of the word to honor each other and respect and love and cover and protect and you know, come together in uh, in unity, and be playful and kind, um, and work hard, you know, and and go through the struggles, and really respect the other spouse, especially where women and men are concerned. In that dynamic specifically, some of your children will never see that. They're going to go from one divorce to another, the strife, the bitterness, the accusation. That's going to be their life, and it'll continue on into the generations to come. And that, too, is unnecessary and certainly not a godly wish, hope, or construct. And I understand that things happen, and there are things that some of you cannot get past 
and it was just easier. Um, and actually, you, you know, Jesus is like, hey, if it's for the cause of adultery and that's your reason for divorce, then, you know, go for it. But you can't just, I won't get into that. I will say this um, conversation I was having with a, another friend of mine, a male recently, was about, you know, when we're talking about spicing up bedrooms, okay, there is, there are a lot of things that go on in the human body on the regular, whether it's, and it's always hormonal, always, whether you're a 12 year old boy, 14, 16, 18 year old boy, girl. I mean, we're always in hormonal flux, always our twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, menopause, andropause is something you're not going to hear a lot about, but your boy, you'll see a bunch of testosterone pill poppers on your uh, local commercials. Won't you? Longer, stronger, better, you know, woman will love you. I mean, how many, God, the messages you guys get, it's horrible, right? And so, which are, I'm just going to tell you now, not super healthy for you and your liver and the way you metabolize or don't uh, testosterone orally. Super bad prescription, in my humble opinion, and I'm not a physician. Check with your physicians. But everything I've read, no, 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 bueno. (laughs) No good. Okay, but what about all of that? Well, some of you are on high blood pressure medication, you're on cholesterol meds, you know, you're uh, obese, you're morbidly obese, um, you know, your your hormone levels are all out of whack if you're a female or a male. No one, everyone makes fun of menopause, you know, the woman's the Sahara Desert, you know, ha ha, he he. Um, well, it's not actually funny, and there are things that you can do as women to remedy that. And, and no, you're, you should not just be, well, it's my bunny. And I gave him babies and now, you know, I can do what I want to do with my vagina. Um, that is ridiculous. What are you doing? Or some of you have a don't ask, don't tell policy and then you get pissed when it actually occurs. <laughs> it's like, no, nope, that doesn't work either. No. Some of you are just like, hey, just keep the bank account full and I don't care who you do or what you do um, as long as I get to live my lifestyle. I'm just being real with you guys. These are con- I know this happens because I'm human and I have friends all from all walks of life with all sorts of things. And I'm, you know, of that age where most people my age have gone through some stuff, if not a few things. Also being in ministry, you hear it all. It's like being a bartender, a hairdresser, or a shrink. Same thing. And so I have heard it all, literally. So nothing surprises me. And I don't really get off into the shame, shaming of people. Because part of what drives people back to the same interesting behavior is shame and guilt. You'd be surprised how much those things work in tandem to just keep you oppressed. But some of you really are, you know, you've just resigned yourself to, well, you know, that's just how life is. And, and you know, we love each other for more than that. I'm like, I'm just here to tell you. I don't care if a man is 98 years old, if he's on his last breath, I promise you probably one of the last thoughts that a man is going to have is going to be somewhat, somehow, somewhere, whether it's the beauty of his wife of 75 years or the first night they were together, the first time he held her hand, the first time he kissed her beautiful face, the first time he patted her on the butt. The first time he lifted up that skirt in her parents' pantry and nobody knew what was going on and all that good stuff, they got together in the back seat of that Chevy. I'm telling you now, 
men never stop thinking about sexuality because that's how they're wired. And we as women would do really well to quit shaming them over it and to actually step up our game. And quit being so prudish about everything and so damn selfish. What are you afraid of? It's really more, what are you so bitter about? If you knew how fragile, and I mean delicately fragile, I'm talking, I'm talking dudes who kick literal ass for a living, who jump out of stuff and swim through stuff and, you know, take bullets and get blown up and are stabbed and for the country, right? The people, the patriots that we wave flags at and because of and for and honor and commitment and, you know, Memorial Days and Veterans Days and all these holidays and we love them, right? And at the core of every man is still that question of, am I enough? And if we had any real understanding of that as women, we would, we would live in a different place. And we wouldn't be fighting critical race theory. We wouldn't be fighting Black Lives Matter. We wouldn't be fighting a communist regime. Our men would be empowered. Our men would be loved and honored and respected. And again, if anyone has cause to be like super bitter chick over here, that would be me. Um, for a multitude of reasons, not the least of which is you know, I've dated some real stellar dudes in my lifetime. But it's just not worth it. And I want to give God the glory for that. For anything I say that elevates men and women, that elevates God's creation, is all Him. Because I should be bitter. I should be I should have a moat getting to my heart. Now, I do believe I am responsible for protecting my heart as a single woman, but I also believe that once you agree to walk with someone, you become that person's wingman, and you should be that person's partner. And that doesn't mean it's going to be perfect, but the first priority, I believe, of every relationship should always be to stay connected. And one of the ways you do that is through sex. And sex can be a number of things. Some of you, it's painful. It's, it's not, you don't feel good about it. Well, you know, whatever. Um, maybe you do, you, maybe you have come to an agreement with your significant other that, uh, Hey, this is what we're going to do because this no longer works literally or works for me. So, you know, what do you think? Again, it's all about what you agree to as a couple, not what one person decides and you just plant your flag in the ground and well, this is how I feel about it. And you're just going to have to like it. And you get mad because he's, you know, <laughs> because he's looking at other women or he's online. Well, you know, God says, and then, you know, that's when the Bibles come out. You got to love that. Well, guess what, sister? God also says that your body doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to your husband. So for those of you who are married to your Twinkies and Ho-Hos and Cheetos and Doritos and your beer and your liquor and your guys' nights 
in your gambling, all of your addictions, right? All of your laziness, all of your pill popping, whatever it is you're into that is wrecking your temple. Just know this, um, that's on you. And that's not fellowship with your significant other. And so when that man or that woman has had enough and it becomes something that begins to affect their own mental, spiritual, emotional, and physical and sexual health, don't be surprised. Again, my show is never to shame you about stuff. That's not why we have these conversations. My show is to uh, liberate. And I hope that this conversation has been somewhat liberating for you in some capacity, whether it's those of you who struggle with any form of sexuality or you see the connections that I'm referring to in the earth right now with regard to how all of these wackadoo ideologies spring up and they don't just spring up. They're creeping like, you know, the hashtag creeping Sharia for Sharia law. It is creeping. And I'm telling you, the more lawless this society becomes, the more tempted you are going to be to become extremely dogmatic. And I want to encourage you to grab a hold of the true message, the simplicity of the gospel, which is all about um, fellowship with the Father, with the Son, the Holy Spirit, and fellowship with yourself through them, fellowship with others, you know, having ordinate godly connection with people that's just, you know, it's it's not based on division, perversions of the truth, fear. You know, you know what decency is. You know who you can and can't have conversations with about things like this. You know when it's appropriate and, and when it's not. You know when you're flirting. You know when you're flirting with danger. We know these things. God is really gracious that way. He wires us for it. So anyway, I just thought it was really interesting to post this very simple tweet during a time of complete upheaval in this country and noticing the responses from women primarily and the fact that even men did not engage to the extent. I'm telling you guys, I have between 300 and 600 to, I've had 6,000 comments on tweets before, for literal like people writing diatribes, you know, like they just write their journals um, in response to a question that I've put out before. I think it was, would you date someone outside of your political persuasion? And people didn't just answer yes or no, like they literally wrote journals <laughs> and there were like 6,000 responses. And so that tells me, it doesn't tell me that I'm being throttled on Twitter, that's 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 easy. That's low-hanging fruit. What it tells me is that people are, um, they are distracted and they are being set up for more dogmatic religion that is not godly. They are checking out of intimacy and fellowship. And that is going to cost us in the long run. And our hearts are being set up and this country is being set up for all kinds of creeping doctrine that is not predicated upon liberty. All right. Until next time. I love you guys. If you are partnered up and married and, 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 you know, whatever your situation looks like and you're in covenant or commitment with someone and, you know, you've been bitter and 
you're down on the couch and you're upstairs in the bed, you know, this might be a good night to kind of creep, speaking of creeping, creep your way back into, uh, into your bedroom with your loved ones. That would actually do the country a whole lot of good. All right. I love you guys. Have a good night. I just hope your heart's full. Oh, 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 oh